Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MZ Car Guys Podcast. You can reach us on all the social media at MZ Car Guys. Yep. And if you want to drop us a line, you can drop us a line at mzcarguys at gmail.com and catch us on all of the different podcasting platforms of your specific choice or whatever. So I think we're going to jump on the bandwagon. What do you think, Matt? I, I, I think we have to, you know, as they, uh, as they said in the opening scene of The Graduate, starring Dustin Hoffman, I have one word for you, son. One word only. Plastics. Uh, sort of plastic-ish, sort of. It's more um, fiberglass. Sure. Designed but... by a guy with a, with a Polish last name, which is always a little suspect. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the C8 people, the C8. Well, more specifically, we're talking about the Corvette in general, the Chevrolet Corvette in general. Yes, um, yes we are. And, uh, and, and I think it's, it, it's probably a good idea to talk about um, – kind of uh what we experienced right after world war ii um i think would be a great place to start um and then kind of work our way through so uh for those of you who do not understand what we're talking about we are talking about uh the chevrolet corvette uh which is basically it's a two-seater uh traditionally until just recently uh front engine rear drive um, and available as a convertible. Um, so, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on the con- on the Corvette itself? Because I think you're a little bit more of a of of a of a worldwide kind of man, and I'm more domestic caveman. Yeah, <laughs> domestic. Um, yeah. Um, see, I don't like the Corvette. I just don't. I think the Corvette okay. is <clears throat> the Corvette tries hard to be too many different things to too many different people, and what it ends up being is it's trying to be America's supercar. It tries to be America's best sports car. It tries to be the fastest thing on four wheels that is made in America. It tries to be it tries to appeal to the to every man and the every woman, and what it ends up being is the second car a guy buys at the end of his midlife crisis after he's retired. When he's fat and balding, and the problem that, is that that's the stigma. It, it, it potentially is um, the the Corvette <clears throat> over over its existence. It has it has weirdly enough, it's changed a whole lot, but it really hasn't changed that much yes Um, to be more specific so to cut you off because this is really important is the consensus among the car literati is that everything from the c4 the fourth generation corvette onward has really dominated the design language and that's when the car got objectively fast compared to what was available on the market at the time. And the Corvette has unfortunately be- become known for two things. One, it's the cheapest speed you can buy. And two, since the C4, it is 
the newest version is always the best version. Yes. Since the C4. So my own personal thoughts on the Corvette are um, somewhat mixed. Um, I understand. I, I do really appreciate its bang for buck. I think in the world of automotive, you would be seriously hard pressed to find a better performance for value. Um, right. Just that being what? Just don't look at the inside of the car. Well, that's where do you think the where, where do you think the cost cutting begins? <laughs> Anyways, um, and but on the other hand, it's it's a um, it's kind of a leftover mindset from William C. Durant, um, which you know we all kind of understand my disdain for that particular gentleman um but the idea is is that you 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 graduate up in uh you 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 kind of graduate up in scale as you go from chevrolet to maybe buick and then on to cadillac and so forth and so on so you're able to kind of climb the the the, the social ladder within the General Motors product. Mm -hmm. Similar thing with the, uh, with General, with Chevrolet in performance. So you, you've, you've, you've kind of had, except for a few, for a few exceptions, um, you've always had some kind of like really kind of budget, usually a front wheel drive um, that they've kind of, you know, gotten a little bit of power out of kind of a thing um, down low. Uh, one time it was the like the Cobalt SS, and then you had there was like a fast version of the of the Cavalier, and, you know, just all sorts. Uh, and then mid level was always the Camaro, and and one of the things that I'm very hopeful about with this new uh, with this new C8 Corvette is even though they have said that the current Camaro will exist through 2023 and that they will possibly be discontinuing it after 2023, um, that it will give them the ability to kind of let it free and let it, let the Camaro become the performance car that it's always wanted to be um, because the, the Camaro has always played second fiddle to the Corvette. Yes. The Camaro has always been restricted um, by the performance of the Corvette because the Camaro could not, it, it wasn't allowed to be, to be faster than the Corvette. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, it's kind of like um, a lower end version of the Cayman versus 911 relationship. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, which it, 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 which has caused Chevrolet to make decisions for the Camaro that I think have really kind of restricted what it's been able to be. 
And I think the best, uh, the best evidence for this is from 19, from about 1985, 83, 85, on up to probably 2003, um, the, the Corvette, sorry, the, uh, the, the, the Camaro and the Firebird, you know, uh, Pontiac, rest in peace, um, both have been much better performing vehicles, both in handling, both in power, and uh, I, I would say it, 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 even in the, in, in the aspect of the Firebird, even better looking than the Ford Mustang that they competed against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet the Mustang outsold the Camaro and the Firebird combined by like something crazy like five to one. Typically it, it varied, but yeah, typically four to one or five yeah. to one. Yeah. 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 Four to five to one. That's mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of the fact that the 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 Camaro um, wasn't allowed to be what it always could be, and that's because of the Corvette. Now, that's part of it. There is there is more to it than that. But the other part of it, I'm sorry, I have to cut you off again. But the other no, part no, of it, it, the Corvette has always been the most masculine expression of a muscle car that you could buy made from the big three and because of that they did lose some sales i mean the number of women who have bought a camaro is so much or a corvette is so much smaller than the women who have bought a mustang it's um i agree i mean there's a there's a lot of that i mean just the the numbers are that women who buy muscle cars far and away buy the mustang and I'm sorry, that accounts for a significant portion of the market. I mean, my grandmother, who was born in 1927, had a Mustang for 30 years, as an example. So she had a 68 automatic, air conditioning, white vinyl top, but it was a Mustang with a 289. So that mm, counts. For- yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so let's kind of get into what is the Corvette. Um, because I think that's kind of important. Because yeah. when you under when, when you is. know where the Corvette kind of came from, you know where it started at. Because what it started off as was, you know, the the the, the C one, the first generation. Um, gorgeous car. It, it was. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was from from fifty three to sixty two, is, is what we're kind of talking about. Um, yeah, the. And the original one, um, you know, which came out in 53, 54, um, it was, okay, so, so to kind of, kind of, kind of give this idea. So World War II was fantastic for the United States in the aspect of, um, a ton of money was uh, injected into the uh, was was injected into um, the the production of wartime 
ammunition and clothing and blah 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 blah. Um, it it really kind of gave a kickstart to the American economy in that kind of a way. Um, luckily, the the large debt we were able to pay off fairly quickly, as far as that goes. But the other thing that it did was is it gave all of these GIs who went to war, who, who were enlisted and stuff to go into war to fight, you know, in World War II, they came back after being out there for three, four years with a ton of money, more mm-hmm. money than they ever would have made in a mine or on a farm or in a factory. And, I mean, it was a large amount of money. The GI um, Bill was a big, big deal back then. Yeah, and and the and, and case and you know and and a lot of them um, had money to spend, um, so you had a lot of businesses that were jump started by all of this. Um, uh, case in point, uh, when Matt and I did the um, did the EV Fit road trip, um, we stopped in Paso Robles at the farmhouse motel fantastic if you guys ever get to be able to go just if you're going through Paso Robles just stop there it's a freaking adorable yes um, it is great location they yeah. will yeah and they will provide you more towels than you will ever know what to deal with <laughs> and the sculpture oh, is fantastic oh my gosh yeah they, they made a towel out of or they made a swan Probably life size, I would have to say. It was thinking it was gigantic. Pretty close. Swan. Yeah, for, for, for our rooms. Anyways, um, but the other thing that you had was is you had um, American car manufacturers specifically design really fell behind because 1941 was the last year that car manufacturers really actually produced a new car and you didn't get a brand new car until around 48, 49. Oh yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Cause you know, cause you, you lead up time for production and so forth usually takes, you know, several yeah. years, yeah, two, three years, uh, right. And Japanese surrender was in 45. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is that you also had, this real kind of craze for um, these little kind of sporty cars, which you really didn't have before in the American culture. You know, we didn't have a real culture of like racing around corners for the most part, you know, like on a road course or whatever. Um, Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was always biggest engine is better kind of a thing and over in europe you don't have that you don't have the biggest engine is better you have the best balance of everything and so you had a lot of these um especially over in like the uk and over in france uh, and especially over in italy you had a lot of these little sports car convertibles um that you had that you know, that, that these guys saw and they really liked and stuff. And so they designed the, the original Corvette to be that, 
to be that um, uh, to, to, to kind of be a sports car kind of a thing to kind of resemble what it was over in Europe. Now that quickly changed. <laughs> right. Well, well, the big part, the big thing that changed it was, to be fair, is that in 53, when the Corvette started being actually produced, the American highway system was in its infancy. So you didn't have long straight roads at high, which high speeds were available to you. So, you know. Yeah, um, not like super high speeds. No, no, not. I mean, they, we basically had what the Europeans would refer to as, or at least the British would refer to as B roads, right? That was essentially what most of the U.S. was made up of. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So um, the other thing that's really interesting is that the C1 ended production just as the U.S. came out of culturally what was the 50s, because the general consensus is that the 60s didn't start until the Kennedy assassination in November of 63. Right. Which is kind of fascinating that that's when the C2 was being developed. I mean, that really kind of was released just prior to that. It's kind of an interesting, you know, synergy there. Well, to to go. Well, to go back to the to the C one, yeah, the, the C one drastically changed in its within its own generation, right? Like, like Corvette tend to do that. Well, fifty. I mean, this was pretty dramatic because you had in fifty three originally it came with um, the uh, the blue flame inline six. Mm-hmm. And that was to kind of, um, which was a good engine, by the way. It was a, it was a pretty good engine. Four star, sure. Uh, yeah, and uh, well, a lot of times they were just using inline six cylinders out of trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's using a, you know, like the original, you know, sixty four Corvette, that inline six cylinder, uh, kind of based on a truck inline six kind of thing anyways um but that was only for a few years it quickly went to the v8 i mean they they had a v8 in that thing uh hold on they originally when was the first year of the v8 i want to say such a better engine i think it's a 50 i think 56 was the first or no 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 no, sorry um 55. 55 was the first year of the V8. Does it, does it say what kind of V8 it was? Was it a flathead or an overhead cam or anything like oh, that? No, no, no. No, it was an overhead valve V8. Yeah, really? it was, it was, it was, yeah. So it was the introduction of the mass produced small block Chevy with, wow, uh, with the overhead. Cool. Yeah. Well, the overhead valves, it was much more efficient. Um, and you got much better flow to it. And the upkeep on it was a million times better than a than a flathead. And that was a push rod, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. yes. Okay. It, it's it's a small block Chevy. So it's, basically, what you said is from 1955 to the present day, Chevy's been sitting on their asses, not doing anything. Um, no, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. They have what they've been able to do with the V8. With no the small block V8. Of course, I'm kidding. Please, no, no hate mail, please. But, but the fact that Chevy today you still use a pushrod V8, and I understand the physics advantages of it, but it is a very old design at its core. It is a very old design. Um, it's a very solid design, mm-hmm. and it's also um, it's it's much more bulletproof than a dual overhead cam. Mm-hmm. It's much lighter. lighter. 
Yep. Yeah, it's smaller. It's smaller and lighter than a dual overhead cam. Lower you also gravity. have a much lower center of gravity, but you also have the ability um, to uh, you, you can you can vary the uh, uh, you you can vary the angle of the of of the uh, of the V. So you can go in ninety degrees. You can really? Sixty degrees. Yeah, yeah. So it allows you to be able to kind of vary that um, without adding a lot of weight or space hmm. for the most part. Really anyway, packaging. Well, yeah. I mean, my gosh, how many, how many, I think it's fair to say that the small block Chevy is, I believe I'm correct in saying it's the most mass produced automotive engine. Uh, that's that's my understanding. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, there's a there's a famous YouTuber who, sh- who uh, regular car reviews who says his his one of his famous lines is on a long enough timeline, everything gets an LS. Oh yeah, you're talking, talking I mean, about um, just... you know engine swaps. It's incredible. Yeah, you know we 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 know a guy who put an LS into an S two thousand. Yep. And it looked good. <laughs> and it sounded amazing. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was a great car. It looked really squeezed in there. <laughs> hey, um, if it fits, it fits. <laughs> yeah. Now, a 57 Corvette, you know, 57 to, uh, you know, all the way up to 63, that's one of my favorite Corvettes because it's, it's that very 50s design aspect of it you've got like this kind of art deco meets you know 50s you know 50s atomic you know kind of age you know kind of a thing um you know it's got the dual headlights which i think um uh and it was also it's the last time that we'll see the fixed headlights for quite a long time because when you get into the c2 which is my favorite body style of corvette uh, which is also when we get introduced to the Stingray um, in, uh, in in 63. Um, I, you, you now have the pop-up headlights, um, which look just amazing. And you get this sleek design and the, the dramatic change from the C1 to the C2 is is immense absolutely immense um so speaking of design since we're on that topic so one of the big one of the big topics of conversation among the corvette literati is about the split rear window oh the 63 Mm -hmm. so how is it only one year yep only one year it was only one year it was 1963 Okay, we uh, we was but yeah. So, um, I mean, the the idea was that it gave it this because um, when they when they did the um, it, you had the uh, I'm trying to trying to think of this. So when they so in 1959 they did the um, uh, the concept car, um, which which was called the Stingray, um, 
And that really kind of translated over into what would become the, the 1963 Corvette. Um, and one of the things that people loved was the back, like fastback style of, uh, of the coupe. Um, because before in the C1, the, uh, the hard top and the convertible, there really wasn't much of a difference in style. Like, 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 like if you took, if you took the convertible, put the top up, it looked just like the hard top. Got it. I mean, for, for, for all intents and purposes. Um, when you came to the C2 with the Stingray, vastly different, vastly different um, in how they look, but more along the lines of they love the fastback look of it. Well, in order to do that fastback look of it, you either needed one whole piece of glass, which wasn't as structural as they wanted it to be. So they gave, so they extended the backbone through it all the way to the trunk, which gave it a split window. Um, and as far as styling wise, it looks amazing. If you've ever seen a 63 split window Corvette, oh, it's incredible. It looks fantastic. Oh yeah. yeah. It looks absolutely, absolutely amazing. It's, it's these two rectangles with rounded edges and it just looks, there aren't many car designs in the world that I've seen. And I, I'd look at a lot of cars if I can, where it just looks right. Really oh. right. Oh my gosh. And, and, and we'll, we'll get into this in just a second, but, um, it was a. Uh, it appealed to those who were a little bit more of a dangerous mindset, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain that in just a second. Um, or kind of more of a, a more more of a thrill seeker. Um, so it, I mean they they got rid of it the very next year in 1964 um, because people just complained that the fact that I can't see out the back window. Right. <laughs> They, well, they, they couldn't back it up safely. Basically, that's it. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, it, 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 they just kind of went, ah, yeah, all right, never mind. Yeah, um, we, we were 45, 50 years prior to the backup camera, so I get it. Well, oh my gosh, can you imagine a backup camera on that thing? <laughs> it would have been awesome. You would need this gigantic, huge pod. <laughs> well, yes, but a modern uh, backup camera on the, on the 63. Wait, yeah. now, now I gotta go a little bit, a little bit uh, American patriot. I, I I gotta kind of wave the flag a little bit, Matt. Like, like, um, like you do, like, like like you do, and and I and I think it's completely appropriate for the uh, the, the Corvette itself, but it's the C two Corvette. Okay, so the C two Corvette, um, designed you know of course by Harley Earl. Um, it was the C2 Corvette that was driven by the astronauts, by the Apollo astronauts. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Chevrolet gave a, gave a, uh, gave a Stingray Corvette to every single one of the astronauts uh, on, on, on in the Apollo program. Common misconception. Not true. Really? Yep. Do tell. I just got this the other day. This is great. Okay, so here's what happened. The government said our astronauts cannot take any gifts from anyone, corporation or person, 
because it would sacri- it would you know it would compromise their integrity. So, what a very smart car dealer in the in the uh, Orlando, Florida, Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Orlando would be the nearest large city to the space. Yeah. To be a, the, a dealer near Cape Canaveral um, said, okay, what we're going to do is we will lease to every astronaut a brand new Corvette for $1. Yeah, because they, they couldn't be given one. <laughs> sorry. Brilliant. I'm sorry. Oh, technically, technically, Matt is correct. They weren't given the cars. They had to pay a dollar. Right. But they were, it was by one dealer specifically who saw the marketing value in that and jumped on it. It was great. Oh my gosh. And it was super it, successful. It, it, amazing. Well, you, you um, know, this, is the t- this is the period of time when astronauts are like above baseball players in popularity. You know, they're just like beyond, well, they weren't the rock stars at the time, but what a rock well, I mean, just imagine it, Matt. Yes, go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and and I've I, I spoke to um, someone who, uh, who who was a kid at this time, um, and uh, and he said that, and I, and I was asking him, you know, what? Explain to me like what the astronauts were, and he goes, they were just they they were like john wayne in real life like all of these john wayne characters that you saw all these big badass characters that you that that you saw in the movies and film and stuff like that these guys were the real deal of that um you know they were you know the it the the x1 which was the uh that was the the first plane to and play i use plane with a very loose definition (laughs) um it it was it was basically a slightly controlled missile right Um, a rocket with wings yeah and um but that was the first thing to break the sound barrier and (laughs) i mean you know you have to uh, before this even with jets, you know, jets were going, you know, around 500 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. Um, on, on tops. Yeah. You know, 500, maybe 550 or whatever, you know, but now you got to break the sound barrier, which is, you know, at just over 700 miles per hour. And, and it was, it was so difficult. And these guys were doing this and it was so dangerous. And then you have them going, um, you know, with these rockets and stuff and, and the Mercury program and then later the Apollo and, you know, just being blasted up into space. And you're basically with, you know, two other guys and you're just kind of giggling to yourselves because you just knew that there's a really likely chance that the, you know, several tons of explosives that you're sitting on could all just go up and you know just one big thing um and if anybody ever gets the chance go down to uh huntsville alabama uh where they produced and made all this stuff don't go to huntsville alabama don't go to huntsville alabama why it's a fantastic (laughs) place 
<laughs> Anyways, go to Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, and they have um, they have uh, the 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 NASA uh, you know rocket uh, you know the, the the Redstone rocket basically city, and it's all these different rockets and stuff you know mock-ups of these different rockets and ballistic missiles and so forth, including the Saturn V. So they have so they have a full mock-up Saturn V, which is standing straight up. So you can literally see how tall this thing is. And it's absolutely gigantic. And then they also have a Saturn V rocket. Um, so there was one Saturn V rocket that was being produced when um, I believe it was Nixon killed the Apollo program. Um, and it they just kind of it just kind of sat in storage in somewhere. Um, and they took this and they made, they actually laid it on end, you know, laid it down on its side in this big, huge building and kind of did like an exploded view of what, you know, in real life of what this Saturn V rocket would be. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's absolutely gigantic. So the fact that these guys are strapping themselves to this, you know, of course you're like, you know, if these guys are doing all of this, just absolutely awesome manly stuff, what are they driving? Oh wait, is that a Corvette? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as as Matt says, amazing publicity. Yeah, pretty spectacular. And of course, Corvette was you know the dealer was no fool, and Corvette you know Chevrolet wasn't either, and they kept up the program. So every time a new astronaut went up into space, same offer, same program. You know, it didn't matter whether it was Michael Collins, who nobody thinks about anymore, or or Neil Armstrong, who everybody thinks about. They all mm-hmm. drove. Corvettes. Yep. And whenever they showed, um, you know, and then in all of the historical footage of of them driving up to NASA, what are they driving? I'm driving a Corvette. Yep. You know. Oh, and then the C three. here's a quick question for you Zach because I like where you're going with this is which is worse objectively C3 or C5 exactly I'd have to say C5 and I'll explain to you why because the C3 so you went from the stingray to the Mako shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. And, and, and that is the design concept. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, really like the, the shape of the early C3s. Oh, so do I. I fell in love with that shape. Fell in love yeah. as, as a little kid. Yeah. And... I thought they were amazing up until 1973. 1973, 1974. Okay. If, yeah, if, if you've listened to our other podcast, it's kind of the 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 dog days. <laughs> so to, to be to be more clear, so Zach was not alive in 1973. What he means is that the, the shape in the car itself was good. The car itself was built. Well, okay, let's not go that far. But the car itself was objectively good as a sports car until 73. 
And then your opinion of the car changed. Well, my opinion of yeah, my my opinion of the car changed in two different ways. One, you had a lot of safety feature things that happened in seventy four. So I so in seventy three was the last year for the chrome bumperettes. Long yes. My, I, I prefer the ones from 72 to 73, but that's, that's just my own personal opinion. Um, but you still had these little chrome bumperettes. It was in 74 that all of a sudden you went to a completely plastic um, front and rear bumper because it met, it met the safety standards for the five mile an hour bumper where you could hit and do, you know, you could hit something at five miles an hour and it wouldn't damage the bumpers. They would be perfectly fine. That was the whole idea behind it. The other thing was, is that you had a dramatic decrease in power. Um, yes. And that, that really kind of came fr- to fruition in 75. Um, where, because it, all right, hold on, let me put it this way. In 70, let's say 72. The um, the base engine was 300 horsepower. That was that's the a, base engine. That's a nice car for especially for that time period. Yeah, so that's a base engine. 1975, the base engine produced 165 horsepower. <clears throat> so, which is like 55 percent as much. Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, you know, they they still produce some some larger horsepower engines, um, but yeah, it's still a comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, I mean, the 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 largest horsepower one was two hundred and five. Oh God. Yeah, I mean it, it's just my last five seater midsize sedan made that much horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, four cylinder. Um, so not, not not to cut you off, but it, but it's it's rather than get too down in the dumps and too sad about it. So when when did this when did the beautiful and I would say objectively beautiful for the time, aggressive, almost muscle car-y, but not quite, you know elegant slightly elegant c3 become what i think is possibly the ugliest corvette ever made the c4 um well the c4 um that was 1984 oh okay that makes sense um and i and and the c4 i think was the c4 was good in the fact that um some good things came out of it. Um, like you had the ZR1 that came out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the only dual overhead cam, actually, I think the only dual overhead cam uh, V8 to be applied to a Corvette. Uh, no. Uh, which was yeah. a, the C7 ZR1 is a dual overhead cam. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Anyways, so, a, you know, so all ZR1s are dual overhead cam, I guess. I guess so. Um, but 
you know, I mean, that was, you know, it was 330. No, it wasn't. It was more than that. Anyways, a lot of horsepower, whatever that was. Right, for the time. Um, yeah. So it, it was really kind of a product of its day in the aspect of, you know, it was, it was faster and better handling than, um, than, than, than the C2. Um, but you mean C3? I think, yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Then, then the, uh, then the C3. Um, but I, I kind of have to agree with Matt in the fact that it was objectively not, not very good looking. Um, it, it was more, much more brickish and it gained a lot of girth. Well, it looked like someone took a wedge of cheese and just sort of shaped the edges with a butter knife and said, yeah, yeah it's good enough. Now, mind you, this is a car that Matt and I grew up with. <laughs> yes, this, unfortunately. This yeah. Oh. Yeah. The car um, came out when I was in elementary school. Yeah. I mean, now a lot of a, a lot of things um, came out of this. I okay. mean, you did have the zero yes. one like we did today, yep. but you also had the introduction of the Callaway twin turbo Corvettes, which are arguably amazing. Well, <laughs> So Matt, Matt Ferret, the smoking tire, drove one of those C4 Callaway Corvettes, and he said, great car, very fast, but the minute you try to take it around a corner, the problem is that the power band is 1,500 RPM wide. The, it, the car dies at 5,000. It doesn't come into its own until above 3,500. Well, yes, right, right. So it's a straight-line yeah. car. It's not good for anything but that. So as long as you're okay with that, as long as your kid was driving in places like Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas, you're fine. So Matt, this is this is America. What are you doing making a corner? What why why are you taking a corner? So anyway, I want to talk about something with the C4 for the first couple of years that I think is really interesting and is okay. often overlooked. And I, I don't know that it's objectively good or bad. It definitely didn't have a long lifespan, but it's the Nash transmission. Yes. Because we have a friend Go who ahead. So the Nash transmission, thank you, is, I don't know why I love transmission so much, but bear with me. So as I understand it, please correct me, Zach, if I make a mistake here, but essentially it was a four-speed manual with overdrive that gave you seven speeds total, something like that. Yeah, it's it a four plus three. It was, yeah, it was a button. On the on the top of the shifter or a button near the shifter, that on the, on the shifter. Once you were in the gear, you could then push the button and then get an overdrive for that gear. Yes, so you had first gear, which yeah. was just regular. Then you had second gear, which had an over which you could go second gear, and you could push a button and it would engage an overdrive for that second gear. So you had the second gear, and then you had like a, an, another like a gear, not, not gear reduction, but, but, but an overdrive adding to it. So you go like first, second, second overdrive, third, third overdrive, and then fourth, fourth overdrive. So you had, you know, it, it, pe pe people who drive big rigs will understand this a little bit better. 
Yeah, which is probably a very small to non-existent portion of our audience. But um, no, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's very odd because in a way, I mean, you can shift it through all seven gears if you want. It's, you know, four pushes and releases of the clutch pedal to get to those gears. There's a button. And I do you remember offhand if you were supposed to clutch in before you push the overdrive button? I no, you didn't have to. Okay. okay. Yeah, you didn't have to. The the, but, the four the four gears you did. Yeah, the the four main gears you had you had um Right. You had to use a clutch. But when you engage the overdrive, no. You didn't. And I know what, what some people have done and, and have said that you you can't well the the, the advantage of the car obviously was efficiency and you could adjust the ratios more. You had seven total ratios, right. To work with. Yeah. Um, if you could wrap your head around that in 1986, call it, but, but the trouble was they were horribly expensive to work on. And what some people would do is just leave overdrive engaged the whole time and just shift it through all four gears, going around town and through traffic and just deal with the fact that the car felt like it had no power. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, they it was difficult to kind of figure out um, because most most Americans just I mean that this was foreign to them, yeah, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah, so you know, so later on, you know, General Motors went from you know the the uh, the, the 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 four plus three Nash um, that eventually they went to. Uh, you know, like the, the, the six speed, the, you know, the five speed and six speed. Right. Um, the other thing they said that you could, that was more people could wrap their head around more was to leave the overdrive off, shift it like a four speed. And then once you run the, like a freeway type condition was then push overdrive for fourth and leave it at that. It was named yeah. after it was named for the guy who designed it, who was a famous drag racer at the time named yeah, Dave, Doug Nash. Doug, Doug Nash, thank you. I was going to say, yeah. I knew that wasn't right. Doug yeah. Nash, you know, and so when he threw his name behind it, it was kind of like when Hearst made these shifters, right? Hearst was a drag racer, I think. You know what? Everyone sort of glommed onto us. They were trying to sort of get behind that idea, but with the whole transmission. And eventually they sort of said, oh, the hell with it. And I guess there's like a dwindling number of guys who actually know how to work on those things anymore. Well, they're very complicated. They they are extremely complicated, um, you know, um, in, in the aspect of I mean you, you've got you've got two different uh, gearboxes essentially is what you're dealing with is you're you're kind of dealing with this with this extra little overdrive gearbox that kind of clicks in and then you have the regular gearbox so but I think we can move on to what I believe is arguably a much better Corvette. Um, and I think really kind of after the, after the, the, the dark days of the C3 and let's just say the entirety of the Z of the C4, mm -hmm. uh, you now come to the C5, which is, I think really nice in the, in, in the, in the fact that, the, the C5 is really when General Motors started to point the Corvette at the world. Really kind of just say, okay, we're now going to go for, like, the Porsches. 
you know, yeah. and, 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 I agree with that. um, and they failed, but it was a good, idea. well, uh, I, I, I agree with that with the C5. Um, but I think, you know, and we'll see this when we come to the C6, I think the C6 did what the C5, what the C5 started, the C6 finished. Okay. Okay. So, I, so please I think continue. Look at all the way. So anyways, so with the C5, um, first things first, the C5 was, it was the first, uh, it was the first design of the Corvette since the C1 that it was built um, as a convertible. So all the structural rigidity, everything was built as a convertible. And so that way, when it was a convertible, you didn't lose any handling prowess. Um, and, and we hadn't seen that since the C1. And so that when you finally gave it the, um, the overall coupe, when you, when, you, when you made the coupe out of it, 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 it was just even more rigid, you know, rigid um but you didn't lose anything as as a as a convertible which was fantastic um that's also when they they started putting in uh the Borg Warner 6 speed um in it now mind you you had the have you ever heard of the uh of the of uh the the first to fourth skip shift that you had to do well, I know there's there's software for that that they they put in the uh, the current gen Camaro. But are you referring to? Well, tell me what you're referring to. So, in order to in order to meet EPA requirements for gas mileage and so forth, um, Chevrolet forced you to shift from first to fourth, and then you could go to second and third. Oh goody! You had to go from fourth or from first to fourth, and then push it to third. Or no, sorry, uh, yeah, and then you could push it to third or second or whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, so it was just really weird with the whole first to fourth and anyways the, the, the description and stuff. Um, but I do have to say though that it the the C five also took it to a whole new level. And the fact that it gave it the ability, um, it, it was the first Corvette with drive-by-wire. So now you're starting to see a lot of advancements um, in the Corvette going into that. Um, you also had um, the introduction of, um, you know, the, um, the, the magnotherological dampeners. Magnorheological dampers. Sure. Magneto rheological dampers, yeah. Basically, it was suspension fluid with little bits of iron put in it, and you would apply electricity to it, and it could firm or uh, soften the dampers every tenth of a second. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, and a lot of, and a lot of, dare I say, Europeans have copied it, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, 
but yeah, so it, it it's it's amazing that it was able to that it was able to do all of this, um, and you also had it at the same time. It was able to have zero to sixty times now that we're competing with like the Aston Martin DB7 and also the Ferrari 355. So now you see it starting to punch up, but you now come to the C6. Yeah, the bug eye. Well, the return of the fixed headlights. (laughs) Yes, the Corvette actually holds the record as being the last car in American history to be sold with pop-up headlights because the current generation stuck around for so flipping long that it was grandfathered before the law took effect. Yeah. Uh, But now you have the base engine makes 400 horsepower. Um, Once again, it was put together, um, you know, you know, it was put together. um, Once again, it was designed as a convertible, just like the C5. Um, and that gave it the ability to, um, what am I trying to say? Um, that gave it the ability it's, to it, be it, it, original. Yeah, original from the get-go, just like the other one was, right? Still yeah. built in Kentucky, by the way. Still built in Kentucky, as, as it always will be. Yeah. Um, and uh, you also have uh, oh sorry also with the Z, uh, with the C5 and then later on continued in the C6 and and later on um, you also have um, the the Z06 was reintroduced uh, it used to be a package and now it's kind of more of a trim level um, and then you also have a uh, it also you had the the reintroduction of the ZR1. Um, that hadn't been around since the early 90s. Um, and it was a package for the Z06. Um, and also the Grand Sport. Um, but, I mean, just... And, and it just... The C5, the C6, and the C7, as, as we'll talk about, were just kind of um, the, the same... Um, the same basic page, um, just a different, um, the same page, just some, some, some fresh paints and stuff like that. So essentially, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they, 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 they redesigned them from the ground up, um, but they, they left the overall kind of idea the same as before, they just made it better and better and better and better and better and better. And by the time you got to the C6, now you're able to start competing on the world stage with the rest of the, with the rest of performance cars. And if you want a really sort of European take on the C6, uh, Jeremy Clarkson has a pretty good film on it in, a, in an earlier Top Gear. Yeah, um, and he liked it. He really liked it mostly liked it yes well except for the cheapness of the interior but I mean, right right and 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 basically what he said was that uh the car was amazingly powerful huge fun on the track but he'd never owned one uh he said it didn't have great road banners uh and it was just too too wide and too large which is you know it's very american 
So what are you going to do? Yeah. But but the but the Corvette, generally speaking, specifically from C4 to C7, has been known as the best bang for your buck power. You just have to look past the interior. You have to look past some of the build quality. But it will put a huge smile on your face, especially if you keep your foot in it, and especially if you get the manual. Yes. I, I drove a C5 or a C6 hundred yards maybe it was an automatic and I was sad from the moment I walked up to the door it was just sad the whole thing yeah. just made me sad right I didn't get to drive it very fast obviously I might have had a different opinion but the way the automatic felt the engagement getting it out of park it was so awkward the, the, the angle of my elbow trying to push down with a thumb button and get shifted and the whole thing was just just felt like it was designed by a man who never built a car before. Uh, yeah, I mean that. But the engine that's sounded harsh, amazing. Yeah, I mean, oh yes, you know, <laughs> yeah. You realize how light the car is. The fact that it's fifty-fifty weight distribution on a front-engine car, you start to sort of yeah. get. It. So well, and now you, but now, now that brings us to the C seven. And I've actually driven a C7. And the C7 is an amazing vehicle. I mean, it just, it, when, when, when they say that for General Motors, it's, it's, it's the best front engine rear drive car that they can make. Um, I really honestly believe that that's true for them. Um, Still is. And, you know, I mean, but you have, you know, it's just an amazing vehicle and i mean your your base engine is like i think it's 455 horsepower that's right yeah it's your base engine and you know i mean mind you it was it was an automatic the one that i drove but oh my gosh it was just fantastic um you know, in, in the way that it felt, I mean, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I swear I looked out the window and I saw like a bald eagle flying beside me. You have no sense of hyperbole. And well, I mean, okay. Let's the, the last time and you and I were together, I think when, when we saw this, the Z06 with the Z07 package. Yes, we were. Oh my gosh. Yes. That was just about the coolest looking thing. I I, I, I would dare say it's the coolest it, it's the coolest looking thing to ever come out of Kentucky. I I'd go with that. Yeah. I can't <laughs> think of any horses that are better looking. So I'm going with that. Sure. And and yeah. the the thing that was amazing about that car specifically was that I looked at it and I said to you this very big statement, which is very hard to make about most cars, and you agreed with me. And it was that car would look amazing in any color. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, yeah. I can't think of and and I don't know of it and I don't know of another car that I can say that about off the top of my head. Maybe the Aventador. Maybe a couple of Ferraris. But even that's kind of pushing it. The four five eight. The four five eight probably would look great in any color. Because I know it looks good in yellow. And that's okay. a tough one to pull off. Okay. So, okay. Here's... I'm gonna hold on, hold on. I'm I'm about to throw a little wrench in your thing because you said the four five eight Italia, right? 
But yes, that's correct. Picture yeah. it bright green. I'm good. I'm still good. You're still good. I'm still good. Yeah. Because of the mid-engine proportions, because it's low slung, because of the low nose, I'm still good. It's pushing it. it but I don't, to, to me, it, abs- to I me don't it has nothing. It has Z07. Well, it doesn't have, to me, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the shape of the car. Honestly, it has to do with that prancing horse on the front of it. Really? A green Ferrari? I hear I think, you. You know. I do. I'm trying to think of like like the Civic Si or the Civic Coupe green. You know that that color. Yeah. Um, yeah. The electric Kermit. Right. Well, as opposed to the Kermit green that's on the Aventador that is owned by J.K. of whatever band he was in, Jamiroquai. Um, yeah, Jamiroquai. But um, but the, but if I'm gonna say there, I have two important words about the Z06. And these two words took, first of all, should never have happened to the Corvette, to the Z06 in the first place, and took way too long to solve. Heat soak. Yes. That was embarrassing. It, it, yes. Not their greatest time. We're talking Alfa Romeo level problems. And I don't use that term lightly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the gist is that they put the supercharger in, they didn't put enough radiators in to compensate for the extra heat provided by the compressed air of the supercharger, and the whole car essentially, well, to put it plainly and bluntly, shat the bed on a racetrack. Yes. It couldn't, it couldn't handle its own heat output. So Now, moving on. Yes, to the Z51 yeah. or ZR1. Oh, yeah, ZR1. Fan, you know, really fast car, fantastic. Seven hundred and fifty-five horsepower out of a front-engine <laughs> car with rear-wheel drive. Maybe set the precedent that they needed to go mid-engine for the next one because they looked at that car and went, "This may be a bit much." Yes, and that moves us on to the C8. Yes, which is so, coming in late, late next year. Yes, General Motors pushed. Pushed this idea and they teased this for the longest time. 50 ish years. The mid, yeah, the mid engine Corvette, the mid engine Corvette, the mid engine Corvette, the mid engine Corvette. The mid- and they had, and, and it was their own fault because they came out with, um, you know, at car shows, um, the mid engine Corvette for like ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Nine. And they find- Nine. Yes. And they finally came out with it. Now, I want to read to you a phrase, or I'm going to read a sentence. And (laughs) I don't want you to throw up as I say this. (laughs) Okay. The the C8 Corvette is the first mid-engine General Motors product since the Pontiac Fiero. I knew that. <laughs> doesn't make it and any it, more palatable, but I knew that. Nope, it doesn't. So anyways, but um, they went through, and I personally think, especially the outside, looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it, they, they really, in my opinion, 
they really balanced its its looks you know even though it's mid-engine it's identifiable immediately as a corvette yeah you from the front end you're like oh hey that's a corvette the back end oh hey that's a corvette um now the interior i think they went a too overboard um it's a bit too much like a like a airplane cockpit well and and i mean and to their that that's what they were going for well was, yeah was, was, but was the fighter cockpit the steering wheel is almost square the, the the rim of the steering wheel is almost square the steering wheel itself is not square rim is well square. and and it it's shaped a little bit different um and and that's so that you can get into it without hitting your knees on the bottom of the steering wheel okay um, there's also another problem which is that if you hold it where the thumb rests indicate that the, the steering wheel should be gripped you cannot from that position pull the shift paddles to shift gears nor can you adjust the volume on the wheel nor can you adjust the cruise control you have to shift your hands down off the thumb rests to a more sort of nine and three position or maybe it's not even nine and two maybe it's below that yeah uh, eight and four I'm, right I'm, I, I i saw that also um i'm going to reserve my opinion um for the first drives the first actual drives yeah of the ca so so when they, so when they finally release it so that the press can get a hold of it and actually just kind of drive the thing in anger that's when i will that's when i want to see what the opinion is of that from people and also so also the first time that i sit in it um i kind of want to see that fair the one thing i want to point out too that's not been pointed out much is that this is the first corvette i know of in history that has no leaf springs in the suspension that is true that is true. It's it's coil springs at, at every corner, um, which it's amazing what they've been able to do. Now I know, I, okay. And, and, and Matt and I, Matt and I had had a discussion about this um, um, a couple of weeks ago when, when it first came out, um, and that was so. Leaf springs are a very ancient design. They go back to the carriages. Uh, you know, to horse-drawn carriages dating all the way back into the 1600s. Um, so kind of sort of old line. Um, but I, the one thing that's an advantage of leaf springs is the fact that when leaf springs load up, like, 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 like when, you, when, when pressure is applied to them and, and you, and, and, and you're, loading up the, the the spring of it the it loads up more uh more linear than you'd get with coil springs coil springs um when you load them up they tend to want to want to shift to one side or the other or you know they they, they don't it doesn't want to coil springs don't like to load up square like like top to bottom oh, okay okay so what you're saying is that the wheel movement is more vertical off of a leaf spring than off of a typical coil spring yeah so so you're going to get 
um, you're going to get more stress on the spring to one side or the other, depending on which way it wants to kind of wiggle around and stuff like that. Okay. When you load up a leaf spring, the leaf spring stays, um, you know, it, it, it stays loaded up pretty much the exact same rate. Right. The and wheel the exact follows. same. Yeah. 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 The, the wheel follows the same arc um, as everything. Um, and, and I, and with the composite leaf springs that was on the C7, um, I really think General Motors did a fantastic job with kind of loading it up like that. Um, but going to a mid-engine vehicle, pushing the engine behind everybody, you can't do that now. You just, it, 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 it was impossible to figure that out. Um, so I think having... Um, having the coil springs at all, all four corners. The other sad, sad news with the C8 mm -hmm. um, is the loss of the manual transmission. Yep. Two big reasons and, for that. Well, one is the, the overarching um, almost kind of political answer. And then there's the underlying reality answer. Uh, the, the, the overarching political answer is, well, we, we didn't want to interrupt um, the, uh, the, the center backbone by cutting into it and losing some of the structure and blah, blah, blah. For, um, for the actual stick of the stick shift to push through the transmission tunnel. That's what, they, yeah. that's what they're referring to. Yes. Um, the reality is, is it engineers could have worked around that some way, somehow, some other. Mm -hmm. um, the reality is, is that I believe it's less than 2% of all Corvettes sold um, of the C7 was a stick shift. Over the last three years. Yeah, over the last three years. Yeah, the initial run was much, much higher. It was more like 40%. <laughs> but the rate dropped precipitously and GM saw yeah. the writing on the wall and said, well, guess what? Yeah. Why spend an extra million dollars? Cause realistically that's what it would have taken. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to design, you know, to kind of do that and stuff. Um, I do highly suggest uh, Jay Leno's garage uh, where they gave him exclusive access um, to uh to the C8 to kind of look at it and go over it and so forth. Um, I do have to give props to Chevrolet uh, that when they released the C8, um, they did it on the 50th anniversary of, uh, I believe it was the launch of Apollo 11. I think I'm correct in that. I, I know it wasn't. I know it wasn't the landing of Apollo 11. I think it was the launch of Apollo 11. Um, and, and seeing as how, you know, the Corvette has such a history tied in with um, the Apollo program and the Apollo astronauts and stuff, um, that I, I think that was very fitting. Um, I did try to watch, well, I, I did try to watch the, uh, the launch of it. Um, and I, I had to go to work 
soon uh, soon into it, so I couldn't watch the rest of it. Um, but it, the launch, you know, I, I watched finally watched the rest of it uh, kind of afterwards and stuff. Um, but yeah, I I'm I'm very impressed with that. Um, I think, you know, because I mean the base engine. I mean, holy cow! The base engine is is four hundred. I think it's yeah, it's four hundred ninety horsepower. Four seventy five. Four seventy five, four ninety five with a with a Z fifty one and the uh, performance exhaust. Yeah, but still. Yeah, very very that's impressive. The, yeah, that's the base engine. Now yeah. you still have the Z06 to come. And you still have the ZR1 to come. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and and they get the Stingray name, didn't they, for the C8? They did. Yeah, they did absolutely. And that's uh, special. Yeah. So, I uh, I think that um, I think General made a very good, very good move to finally make it mid-engine. Um, that gives them the ability to keep up with the world stage because now you're you're putting Chevrolet in the same conversation as McLaren mm, and I hear where you're going with this I not until they come up with a better engine for it but yeah I hear where you're going with this okay well no 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 but I mean well it's it's, it's getting there it's getting there take zero, take the zero. base yeah take take the base model the the, the base model McLaren Okay, 570. Yeah, the 570. Uh, and power to weight ratio, you're similar. I know the okay. McLaren's smaller, but, right, um, but... But 570 is also this metric horsepower. No, I understand. So you're dealing with 100 horsepower more, um, but they suspect that the Corvette could be as fast. Yeah, they certainly have a similar zero to sixty times, you know, right around or a touch under three seconds, that kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, no, no, for sure, and you know, and the base McLaren is uh, quarter, uh, well, two hundred, two fifty, something like that to start, thousand dollars. So yeah, you and, know, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, and the Corvette starts at sixty. Right, right. Now, oh. let's be fair. The Corvette starts at about sixty, which is the rental car spec. Of the Corvette. It still so, starts there. Realistically, yes, 70, but whatever. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, it's not that big a deal for, for you know, for yeah. balding, mm-hmm. balding guys who, you know, who sold their first company and can now retire comfortably, yeah. you know, and are also 50 pounds overweight. Um, but uh, the other thing that's kind of neat, it's just kind of a cool bit of trivia, is that in almost every year the Corvette was made, it was the most expensive American-made car you could buy up until 2016 or 17. Isn't what happened in 2016 or 17? Uh, they started building the NSX in Ohio. Okay, fair enough. American-made car. Yes. So, but I can't wait. I actually, I, and I was talking, uh, I think you were, no, I was talking about this with somebody else. Um, I can't wait to see because you know it's coming a head to head with the base model Camaro, base model Corvette and um, and the NSX. Oh, it's gonna be great. 
Oh I'm yeah. Looking forward I, to. I, I, I think I can't figure out, I mean, cause you have, they're so different. You have, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you have this hybrid all wheel drive, you know, kind of like V6 twin uh, turbo tech technology, you know, you know, yeah. this whole technology thing versus, you know, just basically just right. a hammer. Right. <laughs> aspirated. Um, yeah. V8 naturally aspirated. Right. The Corvette has actual room for stuff. <laughs> and we'll be lucky to fit a child's backpack. Um, Small backpack. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be really interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that too. And you know, the next, yeah. next 12 months, it's going to be really cool to see what else comes out. You know, that kind of, and, and what's the Camaro going to do now that they're free to go as bonkers as they want? <laughs> will they do a new Z28, for example? They could. I I th- I think if if General Motors was intelligent, if they were smart about this, and, and I, <laughs> That's a very and it, well, well, I think their their marketing department is amazing. General Motors marketing department is just they 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 really know how to do that. And I think if 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 they if they have the smarts to be able just to hand over to the R and D department and go, okay, go crazy you now have the ceiling has been lifted the sky is the limit go nuts sure take take the zr1 engine put it in the corp in the camaro why not yeah so all right well i think that i think that's good i i, I think the uh, the you know the that's a podcast the future is very bright for the corvette um but yeah so uh and and real quick, that is a statement that could not always be made. No, it isn't. So, all right, Matt, broom broom. Can I just?